Welcome to Drift Off, bedtime stories to help you unwind, relax, and drift off. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Joanne, and it's a pleasure helping you get restful sleep. Tonight I will be reading two stories. The first storytelling is a sorrowful Christmas tale called The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen. This tale is about a poor little girl who chooses to stay out in the cold to avoid going home and about her hopes and her dreams. The second story is a little more uplifting and is called Little Piccola by Nora A. Smith. This is a holiday tale about a little girl named Piccola who one day makes new friends and learns what Christmas is like for other children. So take a moment now to settle into your sleep space, easing into that perfect position that feels just right. Enjoying the sensation of finally coming to rest after a long busy day and giving yourself permission now to relax and unwind. Coming into the present moment by becoming aware of all the places of pressure where your body meets the surface below. Noticing any sounds around you. The sounds that are close by. and the sounds that are further away and just letting them drift in and out of your awareness as you enjoy this quiet moment just resting here letting everything go now and just be here now fully present as you listen letting these words guide the way to deep relaxation and restful sleep. And so, as always, my friend, settling comfortably under the covers, take a full, comfortable breath. And as you exhale, relax and let go. Allow any tension to just melt away, letting your body sink deeper and deeper down into the softness of your bed. There is nothing else to do and nowhere else to be. So just lay back Relax and enjoy the story.
the little match girl. It was dreadfully cold. It was snowing fast and was almost dark as evening came on, the last evening of the year. In the cold and the darkness, there went along the street a poor little girl, bareheaded and with naked feet. When she left home, she had slippers on, it is true, but they were much too large for her feet, slippers that her mother had used till then, and the poor little girl lost them in running across the street when two carriages were passing terribly fast. When she looked for them, one was not to be found, and a boy seized the other and ran away with it, saying he would use it for a cradle someday when he had children of his own. So on the little girl went with her bare feet that were red and blue with cold. In an old apron that she wore were bundles of matches, and she carried a bundle also in her hand. No one had bought so much as a bunch all day long, and no one had given her even a penny. Poor little girl, shivering with cold and hunger, she crept along, a perfect picture of misery. The snowflakes fell on her long flaxen hair, which hung in pretty curls about her throat, but she thought not of her beauty, nor of the cold. Lights gleamed in every window, and there came to her the savory smell of roast goose, for it was New Year's Eve, and it was this of which she thought. In a corner formed by two houses, one of which projected beyond the other, she sat cowering down. She had drawn under her little feet, but she still grew colder and colder. Yet, she dared not go home, for she had sold no matches and could not bring a penny of money. Her father would be very angry, and besides, it was cold enough at home, for they had only the house roof above them, and though the largest holes had been stopped with straw and rags, there were left many through which the cold wind could whistle. And now her little hands were nearly frozen with cold. Alas, a single match might do her good if she might only draw it from the bundle, rub it against the wall, and warm her fingers by it. So at last she drew one out. Whist! How it blazed and burned! It gave out a warm, bright flame like a little candle as she held her hands over it. A wonderful little light it was. It really seemed to the little girl as if she sat before a great iron stove with polished brass feet and brass shovel and tongs. So blessedly it burned that the little maiden stretched out her feet to warm them also. How comfortable she was! But lo, the flame went out, the stove vanished, and nothing remained but the little burned match in her hand. She rubbed another match against the wall. It burned brightly, and where the light fell upon the wall, it became transparent like a veil, so that she could see through it into the room. A snow-white cloth was spread upon the table, on which was a beautiful china dinner service, 
while a roast goose, stuffed with apples and prunes, steamed famously and sent forth a most savory smell. And what was more delightful still, and wonderful, the goose jumped from the dish, with knife and fork still in its breast, and waddled along the floor straight to the little girl. But then the match went out, and nothing was left to her but the thick, damp wall. She lighted another match, and now she was under a most beautiful Christmas tree, larger and far more prettily trimmed than the one she had seen through the glass doors at the rich merchants. Hundreds of wax tapers were burning on the green branches, and happy little figures, such as she had seen in shop windows, looked down upon her. The child stretched out her hands to them. Then the match went out. Still, the lights of the Christmas tree rose higher and higher. She saw them now as stars in heaven, and one of them fell, forming a long trail of fire. Now someone is dying, murmured the child softly, for her grandmother, the only person who had loved her and who was now dead, had told her that whenever a star falls, a soul mounts up to God. She struck yet another match against the wall, and again it was light, and in the brightness there appeared before her the dear old grandmother, bright and radiant, yet sweet and mild and happy as she had never looked on earth. Oh, grandmother, cried the child, take me with you. I know you will go away when the match burns out. You too will vanish, like the warm stove, the splendid New Year's feast, the beautiful Christmas tree. And lest her grandmother should disappear, she rubbed the whole bundle of matches against the wall. And the matches burned with such a brilliant light that it became brighter than noonday. Her grandmother had never looked so grand and beautiful. She took the little girl in her arms, and both flew together, joyously and gloriously, mounting higher and higher, far above the earth, and for them there was neither hunger, nor cold, nor care. They were with God. But in the corner, at dawn of day, sat the poor girl, leaning against the wall, with red cheeks and smiling mouth, frozen to death on the last evening of the old year. Stiff and cold she sat, with the matches, one bundle of which was burned. She wanted to warm herself, poor little thing, people said. No one imagined what sweet visions she had had, or how gloriously she had gone with her grandmother to enter upon the joys of a new year.
Little Piccola Piccola lived in Italy, where the oranges grow, and where all the year the sun shines warm and bright. I suppose you think Piccola was a very strange name for a little girl, but in her country it was not strange at all, and her mother thought it the sweetest name a little girl ever had. Piccola had no kind father, no big brother or sister, and no sweet baby to play with and love. She and her mother lived all alone in an old stone house that looked on a dark, narrow street. They were very poor, and the mother was away from home almost every day, washing clothes and scrubbing floors, and working hard to earn money for her little girl and herself. So you see, Piccola was alone a great deal of the time, and if she had not been a very happy, contented little child, I hardly know what she would have done. She had no playthings, except a heap of stones in the backyard that she used for building houses, and a very old, very ragged doll that her mother had found in the street one day. But there was a small round hole in the stone wall at the back of her yard, and her greatest pleasure was to look through that into her neighbor's garden. When she stood on a stone, and put her eyes close to the hole. She could see the green grass in the garden, and smell the sweet flowers, and even hear the water splashing into the fountain. She had never seen anyone walking in the garden, for it belonged to an old gentleman who did not care about grass and flowers. One day in the autumn, her mother told her that the old gentleman had gone away, and had rented his house to a family of little American children who had come with their sick mother to spend the winter in Italy. After this, Piccola was never lonely, for all day long the children ran and played and danced and sang in the garden. It was several weeks before they saw her at all, and I'm not sure they ever would have done so, but one day the kitten ran away, and in chasing her, they came close to the wall and saw Piccola's black eyes through the hole in the stones. They were a little frightened at first and did not speak to her. But the next day she was there again. And Rose, the oldest girl, went up to the wall and talked to her a little while. When the children found that she had no one to play with and was very lonely, they talked to her every day and often brought her fruits and candies, and passed them through the hole in the wall. One day, they even pushed the kitten through, but the hole was hardly large enough for her, and she meowed and scratched and was very much frightened. After that, the little boy said he would ask his father if the hole might not be made larger, and then Piccola can come in and play with them. The father had found out that Piccola's mother was a good woman and that the little girl herself was sweet and kind, so that he was very glad to have some of the stones broken away and an opening made for Piccola to come in. How excited she was and how glad the children were when she first stepped into the garden. She wore her best dress, a long, bright-colored woolen skirt and a white waist. Round her neck was a string of beads, 
and on her feet were little wooden shoes. It would seem very strange to us, would it not, to wear wooden shoes? But Pickle and her mother had never worn anything else, and never had any money to buy stockings. Pickle almost always ran about barefooted, like the kittens and the chickens and the little ducks. What a good time they had had that day, and how glad Pickle's mother was that her little girl could have such a pleasant, safe place to play in while she was away at work. By and by, December came. And the little Americans began to talk about Christmas. One day, when Pickle's curly head and bright eyes came peeping through the hole in the wall, and they ran to her and helped her in, and as they did so, they all asked her at once what she thought she would have for a Christmas present. A Christmas present," said Pickle. "Why? What is that?" All the children looked surprised at this. And Rose said rather gravely, "Dear Pickle, don't you know what Christmas is?" Oh yes, Pickle knew it was the happy day when the baby Christ was born, and she had been to church on that day and heard the beautiful singing, and had seen the picture of the babe lying in the manger with cattle and sheep sleeping round about. Oh yes, she knew all that very well. But what was a Christmas present? Then the children began to laugh and to answer her all together. There was such a clatter of tongues that she could hear only a few of the words now and then, such as chimney, Santa Claus, stockings, reindeer, Christmas Eve, candies and toys. Pequila put her hands over her ears and said, "Oh, I can't understand one word." You tell me, Rose. Then Rose told her all about Jolly Santa Claus, with his red cheeks and white beard and fur coat, and about his reindeer and sleigh full of toys. Every Christmas Eve, said Rose, he comes down the chimney and fills the stockings of all the good children. So, Pickle, you hang up your stocking. And who knows what a beautiful Christmas present you will find when morning comes? Of course, Pequila thought this was a delightful plan and was very pleased to hear about it. Then all the children told her of every Christmas Eve they could remember, and of the presents they had had, so that she went home thinking of nothing but dolls and hoops and balls and ribbons and marbles and wagons and kites. She told her mother about Santa Claus, and her mother seemed to think that perhaps he did not know there was any little girl in that house, and very likely he would not come at all. But Pequila felt very sure Santa Claus would remember her, for her little friends had promised to send a letter up the chimney to remind him. Christmas Eve came at last. Pequila's mother hurried home from her work. They had their little supper of soup and bread, and soon it was bedtime. Time to get ready for Santa Claus. But oh, Pequila remembered then for the first time that the children had told her she must hang up her stocking, and she hadn't any, and neither had her mother. How sad! How sad it was! Now Santa Claus would come. 
and perhaps be angry because he couldn't find any place to put the present. The poor little girl stood by the fireplace, and the big tears began to run down her cheeks. And just then her mother called to her, Hurry, Piccola, come to bed. What should she do? But she stopped crying and tried to think, and in a moment she remembered her wooden shoes and ran off to get one of them. She put it close to the chimney and said to herself, Surely Santa Claus will know what it's there for. He will know I haven't any stockings, so I gave him the shoe instead. Then she went off happily to her bed and was asleep almost as soon as she had nestled close to her mother's side. The sun had only just begun to shine next morning when Piccola awoke. With one jump, she was out on the floor and running toward the chimney. The wooden shoe was lying where she left it, but you can never, never guess what was in it. Piccola had not meant to wake her mother, but this surprise was more than any little girl could bear and yet be quiet. So she danced to the bed with the shoe in her hand, calling, Mother, Mother, look, look, see the present Santa Claus brought me. Her mother raised her head and looked into the shoe. Why, Piccola, she said, a little chimney swallow nestling in your shoe. What a good Santa Claus to bring you a bird. Good Santa Claus, dear Santa Claus, cried Piccola. And she kissed her mother and kissed the bird and kissed the shoe and even threw kisses up the chimney. She was so happy. When the birdling was taken out of the shoe, they found that he did not try to fly, only to hop about the room. And as they looked closer, they could see that one of his wings was hurt a little. But the mother bound it up carefully so that it did not seem to pain him. And he was so gentle that he took a drink of water from a cup and even ate crumbs and seeds out of Piccola's hands. She was a proud little girl when she took her Christmas present to show the children in the garden. They had had a great many gifts, dolls that could say Mama, bright picture books, trains of cars, toy pianos, but not one of their playthings was alive like Piccola's birdling. They were as pleased as she, and Rose hunted about the house until she found a large wicker cage that belonged to a blackbird she once had. She gave the cage to Piccola, and the swallow seemed to make himself quite at home in it at once, and sat on the perch, winking his bright eyes at the children. Rose had saved a bag of candies for Piccola, and when she went home at last, with the cage and her dear swallow safely inside it, I'm sure there was not a happier little girl in the whole country of Italy. And as these stories now come to an end, I wish you a sound and restful sleep, my friend. Sleep well, sweet dreams.